Insights to Live By, the podcast, where we discover new pearls of wisdom to put into action and enrich the daily lives of others. Greetings one and all, and welcome to Insights to Live By. I am your host, Matt Zinman. I am very grateful to have you join me for this somewhat unusual solo episode. But first, I do hope you had the benefit of this week's guest episode with personal branding expert and LinkedIn pioneer Lorena Acosta, who more than delivered on her practical pearls of wisdom. As for today's show, I'm just going to come straight out and say that I've been thinking a lot about how to accurately describe it. And the best word I've come up with is metaphorical, which let's face it, is still nondescript yet remains somewhat mysterious. I almost went with the word cautionary, but that kind of sounds like a downer, right? And I'd like to keep it positive. So how about we just get right into it and let you decide for yourself? I hope you've been able to catch the last episode about earned confidence and have taken the opportunity to take stock of yours. If, for whatever reason, you've yet to hear it, I wholeheartedly encourage you to do so, if for no other reason than the fact that it really does lay the foundation for this and all future solo shows. As an aside, I am also especially proud of that episode, and I think you'll find it very relevant. In any case, with earned confidence, you're now able to defeat self-inflicted worry and anxiety, rid yourself of past regrets and resentments, as well as avoid making assumptions by remaining present, trusting your gut, grounding yourself with gratitude and self-kindness, and enriching your life to live it to the fullest. At least that's it in a nutshell. Not that I'm overstating anything or anything. Of course, personal development is not exclusive to turning inward. And so today we're going to focus more on our interactions, be those with coworkers, other colleagues, friends, family, and or in romantic relationships. Now, one obvious challenge we all face in our exchanges with others is the simple fact that we are all so different. As hard as any of us work to improve ourselves and our interpersonal skills, the essence of who we are, our personality, temperament, values, and character traits are relatively constant. Each of us is a fixed point, while everyone else is a moving target. This means we not only have to be adept at sizing people up, we also need to be adaptable. Here's where a social chameleon might come to mind. We're not just talking about random daily interactions. We're really at the heart of determining compatibility with whomever we choose to let into our lives and then how to navigate those different relationships every day. You may be someone who tries to hold back from judging people until you get to know them. Then again, there's something to be said for how first impressions matter and trusting your gut. Are you sensing a theme taking shape here? Well, it's hard enough to make sense of ourselves, and yet 
We make snap decisions all the time to size up and classify people we meet under various circumstances. And though we may not want to admit it, each of us relies on certain judgment filters to some degree. In some, but not all facets, it's human nature to evaluate others in terms of race, religion, gender, education level, social class, occupation, income, geographic origin, sexual orientation, and political affiliation, to name a few. Now, take this the right way. I am not a fan of blanket statements, but the point remains relevant. One instance that comes to mind is the experience of being on the dating scene and the time-tested concept of having a, quote, checklist to evaluate others for romantic relationships. Yes, this is definitely an example with a unique set of criteria. Personally, having been a single dad for nearly 15 years, which included having several committed relationships, I am someone who's had my share of dating. Now, I definitely cannot claim to even claim to be an authority on the topic, but here, from my vantage point, I believe there's one checkbox that matters above all others. I'm just going to leave you in suspense on this one. Whether we evaluate others by their demographic makeup or our personal checklists, many other aspects come into play. And this brings us back to qualities that are less apparent about others, such as their personality, temperament, values, and character traits. Again, as much as those are a constant within each of us and knowing ourselves as well as we do, determining those things accurately about any given person is an entirely different matter. So how can we go about gaining a better understanding about other people to help us navigate these many different moving parts and various types of relationships in our lives? If only there were easy shortcuts to make sense of it all. They might save us a lot of trouble or validate what relationships to cultivate as well as others to avoid. Have you discovered any ways to assess someone's core nature? Specifically, these regard qualities that belong at the top of our checklists and fall into the category of, quote, deal breakers, and not just about romantic relationships. Here's where I'd like to offer some personal insights about a specific character trait that I found is essential to distinguish about others as well as within ourselves. I'll also say that revealing this trait is as much to our benefit as it is to prevent being to our detriment. So if you're sensing some hesitation, it's because what I'm about to disclose is characterized with some negativity. And you may recall one crucial point made in the last episode involving earned confidence is that I believe it is essential for everyone to assume personal responsibility to recognize how we affect one another energetically. In other words, this is me respecting the importance of keeping your spirits up. So please do me a favor and go with me on this for, say, 10 seconds. Just take a deep breath or two. I'm serious. Now, decide that you will not absorb 
the less than positive aspects of what you're about to hear. Are you with me? Okay, here it is. There are only two kinds of people in the world. There are spiders and there are those who get caught in webs. Put another way, someone is either a manipulator or they're not. What we're talking about here is an innate singular character trait regarding a conscious decision people make to do or not do. It is a black and white fact, which is to say this is a straightforward characterization of other people and ourselves. Spiders are just that. Even if only 1% of their behavior reflects it, the point is that they have it within themselves to intentionally manipulate others. And gaining an amplified awareness of this fact is to our benefit and to shield us from harm. To be fair, spiders also come in different sizes based on the frequency and the lengths to which they will go. And so I do want to emphasize that categorizing people in this way isn't entirely all or nothing. Context matters in terms of our relationships to these individuals, as does the extent of our interactions and whether they'd ever turn their manipulative energies against us personally. Even still, the importance here in sizing people up is that among so many variables, this is one that's pinpointable. And from a practical standpoint, it's an insight to know who's who, so you can either avoid such individuals or at least approach them and interact with caution. The reality is that sometimes they're not completely avoidable, such as in a work environment. The good news here is that they're easier to spot. Spiders are those who play office politics and games that in some way involve imposing their will on others to achieve selfish goals. They will manipulate others without any regard for their negative consequences their prey may suffer. They make a conscious effort to affect others' behavior to their strategic advantage. They pull your strings, yank your chain, and pride themselves on being puppet masters. I feel like I'm getting close to making the point, and you're getting it. Fortunately, I believe that most of us are two-legged non-arachnids. At least, I hope it is most. Speaking on behalf of the vulnerable majority, we know who we are just the same. We inherently trust others unless our, quote, spider senses tell us otherwise. We live unconditionally and usually more positively. We give others the benefit of the doubt if we were ever to have any in the first place. We tend to be kind and optimistic. We believe it is more important to believe in the good of others, even while still knowing not everyone is always good. Our integrity and self-respect motivate our willingness to be vulnerable and suffer the consequences of those spider bites. In effect, our idealism makes us susceptible to martyring ourselves, yet we choose to view the world in brighter colors than our spider counterparts. 
And then there are those who've been, shall we say, ensnared in webs too many times to salvage their ideals. They are skittish. They reserve their trust until others earn it. It's sad that certain people remain like the walking wounded in this way. I, I can't claim to have a full handle on why spiders act how they do in being conscious manipulators. In contrast to those with immoral character traits are others with the integrity to do the right thing while no one else is looking. What motivates them to be honorable? For some, it's safe to say that being a good human being is inspired by religious faith. For others, it may be about family, community, and making a difference being most important. Regardless of our individual motives and willingness to unknowingly be web bait, we hope for the best. Then again, you may identify as being a spider who typically manipulates others, and it may not entirely be your fault. And this might lead us back to revisit the classic, quote, nature versus nurture debate. But for the most part, it doesn't seem to be a versus in the case of spiders. The example that comes to mind are white supremacists, simply because no one is born hateful. That said, it's important to keep top of mind that many spiders also take satisfaction and even pleasure in, quote, capturing someone or multiple people through their deceitful, insecure, dishonest, contemptuous, conniving, and cowardly acts. That's just to name a few. Did that come off as negative at all? Remember to keep your shields up and remain objective as we continue on here. The word spider alone is more often perceived less than favorably. Just keep in mind that this is metaphorical. Now, spiders can act like the rest of us and blend in. After all, that is their nature. The difference is that once they decide to be cunning, they spring into action by weaving webs about how to manipulate whoever they can to get their way. They are saboteurs. Meanwhile, their prey is oblivious because their energy and mental focus remain well-intended. I have a question for those listening now who know themselves to be among those who will cross that line of conscious manipulation. Are you someone who takes satisfaction in being selfish and unkind at others' expense? While I can't speak for other non-spiders, I really find it difficult to identify with what makes that worth it. What I do know is that it's a mistake to be overconfident. Some of us can see you in plain sight. The irony may be that you're the one who is unaware of your transparency. In fact, as we continue through this conversation, I imagine that you, among many others hearing this, are beginning to easily spot who's who in your lives. As with every non-spider, I have repeatedly learned this lesson throughout my personal experiences. For me, sharing this has little to do with cleverness as it does practicality. I have thought about this for many years. Those consistent experiences have instilled me with the full earned confidence to put this out there, knowing within myself that it is entirely true. 
In short, this metaphorical view of the world and others as being spiders or non-spiders makes sense, and I believe you will find the same. To be clear, the intention behind sharing this observation does not rise to the level of some epic battle between good and evil, though that correlation exists. This is specific to an individual having true integrity and the strength of character in contrast to those who lack at least both and the underlying interactions among us. Ironically, I almost didn't include this chapter in the book because it's more of a cautionary tale. There's that word. I do try to keep negativity at bay, which is to say the topic to be aware of spiders is like, which of these is not like the other? But I decided it was too important to leave out, and the irony is that this is one of the chapters I've been hearing most about because it seems to resonate, and I surely hope that's your experience here too. If we revisit the example of certain workplaces having a toxic culture and politically charged environment, some spiders may even feel legitimized. Others may view that behavior as a survival instinct. Others consider themselves admirable for being cutthroat in business. They may view shrewdness as a source of pride in a competitive, quote, dog-eat-dog world, or just simply take true pleasure in stepping on people to get to the top. These are those you might think of as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Do you know people like this? Do you view this kind of behavior as acceptable? Your answers may be telling. Personally, without getting into too much detail, circumstances being what they are, I've squared off against two billionaires at different times during my entrepreneurial pursuits. I can tell you that they didn't accumulate that much wealth without stepping on a lot of necks. Does that still make them successful? What I will say is that it doesn't qualify for how I define success, especially knowing that they are two of the most miserable people I've ever known. And while these were trying experiences, I am happy to share they both got what they deserved. Let's get back to you. If you're in that work culture, how can a nice person not finish last? Should they be willing to take a slower route to achieve upward mobility and take pride in preserving their integrity? Maybe the better choice is to move on from a toxic environment in favor of one where good work stands on its own merits and stress levels are manageable. For what it's worth, my consulting experience has provided a first-hand look into well over 100 companies of just about every type and size. Every single one of them exhibited a certain level of dysfunction, much as any family does. The question then becomes one of belonging, adaptability, sensible expectations, poise, deafness, and the all-important relationship with your boss. They're often in the best position to insulate you from others. Part of this also comes down to what I wish my younger self knew, especially given that those entering the professional world are somewhat unprepared to navigate certain challenges because there's just no substitute for experience. That said, now that the current world order is at least temporarily defined by people having eight legs or two, the logical question is, now what? Seeing that we have called attention to the topic, this newfound amplified awareness works something like having a flashlight. 
The key is to know how to turn it on, use it, where to point it to see spiders, and anticipate the location of their webs so you steer clear of them. First, be sure to trust your gut when your spider senses kick in, at the heart of which is self-trust. You may recall my mentioning certain pillars of life enrichment with self-kindness being at the foundation of earned confidence and personal development. Well, self-trust is that second pillar, and in this case, is about not expending more energy than necessary when it comes to sizing others up. You may have concerns about someone, but want to give them the benefit of the doubt and still believe in them, and that's fine for now. However, instead of brushing aside those doubts, you can still be a good person with subtle suspicions and not think badly of yourself. One way to recognize spiders is by noticing that they always seem to have an out. This is sometimes referred to as, quote, plausible deniability. It is part of their typical scheme to know every hole into which they can crawl. I have a reliable warning system for spotting spiders, which comes down to trusting what my subconscious ever reveals. In this case, if you find yourself waking up at 4 a.m. with certain stressful individuals or individual being the first thing on your mind, it's time to evaluate how to free yourself of them. If you are not someone who subscribes to the commitment to keep negative people at bay, then this may be a good time to reconsider your ideals. This was the case with one of my former employees and involved spilling over into my personal life. Most of her performance issues and behaviors were subtle, but it was like one thing after the other. I tried to give her the benefit of the doubt and see the best of each situation, but something was wrong. The negative energy was building along with restless nights. It reached the point of just being involuntary. I was unable to free my mind of her and the situation. Can you relate? It was good to be aware enough to notice certain things, but that also begs the question of what's not being seen in the shadows. Some months later, an audit revealed that she had embezzled some funds from the organization. It wasn't much, but it was enough to press charges, and she eventually admitted guilt. Yes, there was some satisfaction in catching a spider in their own web. It was also very sad to see someone so capable make such poor choices. For whatever reason, she lives life as a drama magnet. Thankfully, this situation is now history. It was an ordeal, but I am especially grateful not to have her occupying that real estate in my thoughts. This is an important reminder that we often do not realize how stressed we are until we experience relief. Stress is the absolute worst thing for you. We have only one go-round, and you have to ask yourself if someone is worth wasting your valuable time, draining your positive energy, and or compromising your emotional health. Do you have a choice? Can you at least take measures to insulate yourself or avoid future traps? If ensnared in someone's web, what is the most sensible way to get unstuck and find the path to safety? In a broader context, there are many reasons why people act like spiders while others prefer to remain less aware and deal with events as they arise. Each possesses different values as incentives, 
though it takes a lot more energy to be devious than it does to be oblivious. What's more important is to go beyond hearing all of this and take this concept for a spin. There's a pun you probably could have survived without. In fact, consider pausing here for a thoughtful exercise. Think about the top 5 to 15 people currently in your life that you consider to be in your direct orbit. Now, do a quick rundown by posing this question and answering with the first thing that comes to your mind. It's a straightforward yes or no response. Are they a spider or non-spider? Who has it within them to selfishly impose their will on others? And who is too good-natured to do such a thing? If you decide not to pause here for that exercise, it's perfectly understandable and respectable to assert your free will. I genuinely do not want to come off as being bossy, but do encourage you to at least try this out later and see where it goes. Now, if you did just participate in this spontaneous spider senses exercise, what did that reveal about whomever you decided has the capability to behave in a spider-like manner? This naturally includes family members, in-laws, supposed friends, co-workers, and colleagues, among others. Do you hold it against them or believe and accept that being a spider is just in their nature? This seems to correlate with the sayings about zebras and tigers being incapable of changing their stripes. There's also the old proverb about the scorpion and the frog that suits this occasion, if you care to look that up. You can call this what you will. For one, it gives new meaning to arachnophobia. Still, the question remains, now what? In any given life event where you find yourself taking a pause to evaluate something, no matter how ordinary or unlikely, that is when you stand to benefit from playing along with this exercise. Now that you have some added awareness and protection in being able to sense and combat spiders, the key is to use it properly. As much as you may master shining your light to reveal those approaching spiders or nearby webs, you have to be aware that you cannot detect them all, run away fast enough, nor anticipate their traps to remain uncaptured. Part of it comes down to the trade-off in terms of who wants to go through life always being on guard and trying to figure out every which way to turn. It would consume a lot of negative energy. That's exhausting. Life would be much less enjoyable if defined by fear and paranoia. It's important to resist that temptation and keep your balance. Again, the point is that we non-spiders prefer to be somewhat less focused on others imposing their will upon us to their strategic advantage and to our potential detriment. We know that there are those around us who don't always have our best interests at heart, yet we choose to remain vulnerable. Still, the goal here is to strike a balance of maintaining some amplified awareness. Just to reiterate, a spider may be among the nicest people you know. You may never be among their target prey. They might only spring into action on rare occasions or circumstances. However, if they ever weave webs, they are who they are. This brings up something that hits close to home, literally. 
we live in a new development that's run by a homeowners association, HOA. In short, we govern ourselves. And I decided to volunteer to serve on the board to help my community get off to the right start. As these things go, it required a lot more time and complexity than expected. But we remain well on top of getting the doing done. On the flip side, we were faced with a mounting dilemma. People are people. The community had a lot of growing pains, and the HOA seemed to be everyone's favorite target. There was a steady stream of gossip, complaints, finger-pointing, and bickering, followed by more complaining. As is often the case, it was either about non-issues or making mountains out of molehills and mainly about things beyond anyone's control. I'm pretty certain that anyone who's volunteered for HOAs and similar types of community organizations experience very similar dynamics. As the odds would have it, there are a handful of spiders at work behind the scenes. To me, they're in plain sight. Yet they rile up others who fall prey to their webs and turn into their personal wind-up toys. Over time, as more of nothing festers into something, the vibe in the community had soured. The spiders took it upon themselves to poison the well and convince others to drink from it. They know who they are, as do I. So, I'm aware of keeping my shields up and shrugging it off, but my other neighbors, the ones I care more about, are unknowing victims. It's not the vibe they deserve. I knew volunteering to be on the board would be a thankless position. People can choose to be ungrateful, but I do not accept people being hateful. The irony is that if they only put half of their negative energy into helping out instead, there wouldn't have been any problem. We repeatedly asked for more volunteers, and no one stepped up. People need to lift a finger before pointing one. The irony here is that there wasn't any significant reason to complain at all. The neighborhood was in good hands. They could just enjoy their home life instead of getting caught up in nonsense. Like, what would you have done? Would you simply accept that, you know, haters are going to hate and that it's pointless to reason with the unreasonable? Or would you take a different approach? Again, my main concern had less to do with spiders as much as it did to free their prey. Yes, I was disappointed in them, but really the feeling had more to do with being disappointed for them. This situation had been festering for too long, so I decided to take it head-on at our annual membership meeting with everyone in the same room. It was the best opportunity to right the ship. Well, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Things went a bit sideways. However, I was able to raise the issue and make the point that we all didn't work as hard as we have to buy a home in a toxic community that diminishes everyone's quality of life. There was a choice to either let this problem go untreated or hit the reset button and leave the negativity behind. I was proud of myself for exposing the problem and in subtle ways the spiders. That doesn't mean they'll stop being who they are, but 
Once they had a light shone on them, I believe they thought twice before being less than their better selves. Speaking my truth here for a bit, I realized this isn't exactly neighbor-friendly, and I did wrestle with keeping the HOA story in the episode. However, I decided to honor the fact that this example is in the book, and with good reason. It's also somewhat of a personal challenge for me to reconcile the fact that there are certain people I flat out do not like, mainly because I recognize them as spiders and the like. Part of that is to accept that I'm obviously not always going to win a popularity contest, which comes with the territory, especially now with the podcast and stretching myself. Not allowing the opinions of others bring someone down is an ongoing challenge. It's natural for anyone to want everyone to like you, and especially to not want others to think less of you. But let's get real. That's simply not a reasonable expectation. Some people may also have misconceptions, and to a certain degree, that's on them. For my part, I know who I am just the same, and being true to that authenticity, they'll either come around or they won't. I've already admitted to being less than entirely fond of certain people for whatever reasons, and so I respect that they're well within their right to do the same. This is just part of expanding my comfort zone, especially in being more outspoken. Overall, people don't have to like one another to be respectful, kind, and cordial. We all share a desire to have a positive neighborhood for ourselves and our families. And personally, I take pride in being the bigger person, and yet knowing that others find that more difficult isn't without some sense of satisfaction. Fortunately, the dust has mostly settled in this case, at least for the moment. All right, let's revisit similar situations you might face. Let's say you're in the thick of it, entangled in someone's web as they catch you off guard. They take pride in making you bend to their will. Let's say it's your boss giving you a hard time for no good reason. They're the ones who are out of line for creating a problem out of thin air, but they're still your boss or a person with some level of authority, and you feel helpless being in these traps. Here's where to keep your shields up to prevent that person's negativity from getting through and inflicting emotional distress and mental duress. Your responses essentially need to follow the, quote, sticks and stones mentality. No matter who you are or where you're from, I'm pretty sure that you know that expression. This is an earned competence moment. Plant your feet. Hold your ground. Wait them out. Don't interrupt. Stay poised. Take pride in your self-respect and not letting them get a rise out of you. This also may well be an instance when you're half daydreaming of how awesome it would be to have this person occupy a smaller part of your life. Don't hesitate to use your spider repellent when you are consistently, involuntarily, and environmentally exposed to some spidery energy sucker. Going back to those seven pillars of life enrichment, we've already touched on self-kindness and trust. And here's where the third support column comes in at the foundation of which is self-respect. With that said, remember to stand up for yourself in that moment when combating spiders. 
You are entitled to have your own opinion of any given situation or person, provided it does not jeopardize your current job security. Of course, they are equally entitled to think the same of you. On the flip side of this circumstance, maybe you're the one who's being a jerk in this particular case, hopefully unintentionally, or you're not acting inappropriately, but they are just misperceiving and or misunderstanding you. We all have that in us, even if it is something misinterpreted by the other person in a conflict. When confronted by such situations, it can be illuminating to shine the light back on yourself. This brings up another way to spot a spidery manipulator, which is to recognize that feeling of wrestling with yourself about doing something for someone when you know you should say no to them. In fact, you're literally telling yourself, I really have to learn to say no. The stakes are also higher here in terms of your self-esteem taking the hit because you end up beating yourself up for not saying no and resenting being manipulated by this person. And it gets even worse when you follow through on the obligation you know you shouldn't have assumed and have to deal with that terrible feeling until you complete whatever tasks. Does this sound familiar? Like, can you feel the negativity building in the pit of your stomach yet? It's not a healthy situation. This roots back to self-esteem and self-respect. The reason you become that spider's prey is because they sense weakness. They know they can take advantage because you are prone to let them. In the extreme of dealing with a spider-like bully, you've likely heard the best repellent is to bully that person back until they back down, even if that's not in your nature. Many bullies act that way to overcompensate for their own insecurities, among whatever else. But when you do say no, that bully, or in this case, manipulator, will respect you for not letting them take advantage. It's time to trust your gut and have the guts to say no. In this case, your best defense in being able to say no may be to have a go-to saying like, quote, I totally appreciate that this is something you're trying to achieve, but I have certain other priorities right now that I can't neglect. Or, wow, I wish I could help you, but that's just not something I can do right now. In fact, there's also a good rule to follow in almost any circumstance. Value yourself first and the rest comes naturally. This was inspired by a situation with a former intern of mine who did some projects for my nonprofit. I've worked with more than 300 students in my career and she's exceptional. I asked her about staying on and she described some of her other commitments she'd need to work around. This included another part-time internship with a woman who has been having her do grunt work. She literally went to this person's house and was asked to move boxes, print mailing labels, and the like at one point while the woman was taking a shower. Meanwhile, her husband arrives home, engages this innocent intern about her work tasks, and proceeds to criticize and upset her for something completely out of line. Aside from the obvious inappropriateness of being in this person's house, the manual labor, and being put in an uncomfortable position, she was unpaid and doing nothing meaningful. It was also taking an emotional toll on her. Meanwhile, she continued to feel obligated to this woman to do more of the same. She had trouble saying no and was holding out for 
a letter of recommendation. It really burns me up to hear how this spidery woman was preying on a good-natured college intern who I've come to admire. I expressed to my intern that she's too good for this person and is better off doing just about anything else. I then drafted the letter for her to send this person to help her save face and escape. I was also happy to write her the letter of recommendation she deserves. Even if we didn't have the opportunity to continue working together, although we have and do, I'm glad she came away from this experience having learned to say no and taking pride in her self-respect. I think you'll find that being more aware of spiders makes it easier to spot those in your life and the others you encounter so that you minimize how much they take advantage of you. This may hit close to home or at least close to family. Spidery individuals tend to be selective about who and in what situation they'll come out of their hole. In my experience, most spiders only show themselves 5-10% to of the time, if at all. As good as I hope you get at spotting them, they remain very cunning and can still be very hard to catch. On the other hand, if you happen to identify as being a spider, there is still hope among we potential prey that you are willing and able to be less of one and instead choose to be your better self when dealing with others. On an optimistic note is one other lesson learned from the HOA situation that's something of a silver lining. While the experience exposed some spiders as well as other neighbors who they ensnared, there's another group who managed to stay above it all, or at least not fall prey. This also supports the notion of there being a subset with a third kind of person in this particular world order, non-spiders who with experience can elude webs. Being like-minded in this way helps explain why we've all become fast friends and are enjoying having those relationships deepen. More to the point, I've been trying to think through what sets this group apart. Let's have some fun with it and call them dignified and deft web dodgers. If my young neighborhood is our petri dish to pinpoint this demographic, then I'd say about one-seventh, like under 15% of the population, have this ability. On a positive note, there's hope for others yet. There's no one kind of anyone who demonstrates this ability. For example, we know that it's not always age because people with, quote, old souls and the like, have the poise to navigate through this sticky ground. I personally know quite a few people who are young in life with this ability in spades. As a matter of fact, one of my current interns fits this profile. These web dodgers recognize that other people can be good at hiding their true intentions, but instead of expending energy being on guard all the time, they ground themselves with earned confidence. They also have an ability and clear sense to identify the many other genuine non-spiders there are in the world. Our distinguishing characteristic is that we not only don't let such matters consume us, we almost don't give it a second thought. Assuming by now that you can relate, do you have any certain ways to spot spiders in your life? 
You might find that some can turn the tables and put others on the defensive. They may be the one accusing you of something and making you out to be the bad guy, so to speak. Which brings guilt into the equation. There's a fine line here because the dynamic of some families can be riddled with guilt. So if you find yourself on the defensive, then distinguish their intentions. A relative who gives you a hard time for being out of touch isn't necessarily acting with a conscious intent to manipulate you. It may be more of a cultural trait, much like those who allow themselves to be worriers. Then again, you can judge those people for yourself. Personally, one of the easiest ways I've found to spot spiders is by knowing whether they've manipulated others. It's that data point. If they have that history of taking advantage, then they have that spider gene. I wonder whether there really is one. In any case, even if you think certain people would never turn against you, they'll almost certainly do it again to others. And that puts it in the realm of possibility that they could turn at some point. But you'll handle it because this is a perfect time for your earned confidence. That said, be safe out there. Stay clear of webs. Keep your flashlight handy, your finger on the repellent. And teach those spiders a thing or two about not toying with you. Alright, you can probably tell we're winding down here. Like I said, this topic was a bit more difficult in terms of discomfort in being on the negative and pessimistic side, as well as being somewhat emotionally charged by the experiences that led to my metaphorical view of the world. It did take some hard living for spiders to become transparent, and it's too important to ignore. The good news is that it's onward and upward from here. So, just spend a minute to reset Shake off any negativity and let's take a turn for the positive, starting with an announcement about next week's special guest episode with Tom Burgoyne, who is better known as none other than the Philly Fanatic, considered by many as the most beloved mascot in all of sports. He's also someone who's had direct encounters with more people than just about anybody. Approximately 60 million fans in 32 years of performing as the Fanatic. So it will be awesome to hear his insights to live by based on his experiences with the human condition as well as about baseball and professional sports being back and how he's adjusting with that happening in the absence of passionate screaming fans, at least for now. Next week's solo show will offer you a dose of prevention with a focus on easing and thereby enriching daily living. So I very much look forward to sharing that with you. Till then, thanks everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Insights to Live By. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Matthew Zinman and join our community at InsightsToLiveBy.com. Wishing you and yours an enriching day, and we'll see you next time.